DJ and PK, it is time to talk football with Riley Jensen, college football expert and mental performance coach, and he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Riley, you need to... um, you need to multitask during this. If you don't already have your Utah BYU pick, we are going to get it from you before this segment ends. So be prepared. I'm not afraid. I'm All not right. afraid. I'm but afraid. first, as a former Aggie quarterback, you had to be pretty excited with the way your Aggies came up big in the fourth quarter at Washington State and won a Pac-12 road game for the first time ever. And I am curious, because now in your current line of work, you're a mental performance coach, and I'm curious where the Aggies got the confidence to pull that off. It's in the middle of the fourth quarter. They needed a touchdown, they needed a stop, and they needed a touchdown. And they didn't have a touchdown in the whole game. So why did they think they were going to get two? And they hadn't gotten a stop in the second half. It was touchdown, touchdown, field goal. And they needed a zero, and they needed the ball back quickly. They got all three things. They win the game. How do they do that? Well, first of all, it was really interesting because I was texting my brothers during the game, and I was like, this is really, really odd to me, but I'm loving the way the offense is playing. And it was like 6-5, to five, or yeah. I, can't, I can't remember if it was 8-5. I mean, it was 10, and I was like, I can't, I can't put a finger on it right now, but there's something going well about this offense for Utah State. And it was – it was really fun to watch. Look, both both Peasley and Bonner, they competed. They had they both had some like really detrimental t- uh, turnovers that could have really cost Utah State that only cost them 3 points. But I thought overall those guys played feisty, they played tough, and the defense all night at, it's it feels like that's the first time that I've seen a defense that can fly around since the first time Gary was was Gary Anderson was the coach at Utah State, the defense was just really fun to watch. And this this Rice kid that transferred in from Arkansas State and was the Fresno State and he was the Mountain West Player of the Year on defense two or three years ago. I can't remember what it is. He's a fun player to watch, and he has these guys going in the right direction. And you got to give a lot of credit to Coach Blake Anderson for having these guys ready to play. I think. The reason why they were able to score and the reason why they were able to get stops is if you go to the defensive side, they were getting stops in the first half. Washington State had made some adjustments. Utah State finally made the adjustments that they needed to. And then offensively, I thought all game, if they if they could just figure out how to get into the red zone and, and finish it off in the red zone, um, that, that they were going to be able to score some touchdowns. Now, I'll be honest with you with, Four minutes and thirty seconds left. I was like, "Dang it!" They just they couldn't figure it out, and then and then they did. I mean, it was and that throw by Bonner on the slant. I mean, that was a back that was a back hip pocket slant throw. I mean, that's that's a veteran throw. That's not an easy throw to make in the red zone to know to put put it away from the defender in a place where your receiver can still catch it and score. And what what a big win for Utah State. I mean. If you're a Utah State fan, there's been so many games like the loss at Wisconsin where you miss a 27-yard field goal, right? The the Auburn game where you give up 10 points in the last three minutes of the game. Otherwise, you have Auburn. And there's just been so many heartbreakers that it was really fun. And I know, I know Pac-12 fans are like, well, it's just Wazoo. Hey, to Utah State right now, 
any win on the road against a P5 team, that's a big deal. That's a big yeah. deal. Home or away, for that matter. I'm wondering if you see a situation going forward when coaching changes are made and they're made out of not because a good coach left, but they're made because the program fired somebody, and that's the case here. If going forward, athletic directors will look at uh, when they hire their new coach, how much he was beloved by his players, because then you bring the coach and you also bring the quarterback and you bring the best defensive player and on and on, and they're immediately eligible. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to consider that, right? Like, there's so many things in college football now that we have to consider. I mean, look, the portal is here to stay. Let's let's be honest. The portal has had a significant impact on a lot of teams, and it's made a lot of teams better. It's, it's made a lot of teams be able to recover quicker from a difficult year. And, look, I don't know what's going to happen with Utah State. Um, I, think, I think that Coach Blake Anderson was hired because he offensively – can energize the team and, and, and make it a little bit more fun for fans to want to come to the game. I think that's why he was hired. And I'm telling you, it was a six six to five ball game, and I was like, I don't know why, but the Aggies are moving the ball. They had 222 yards rushing. They were throwing the ball around. There was interesting and cool little wrinkles to their plays. But I think you're right, PK, back to the point of, like, if this guy's likable and he can bring some players – now, who would have thought that bringing a quarterback from Arkansas State and a linebacker from Arkansas State was going to make Utah State better? But they did fill some holes and fill some needs that Utah State needed to fill, and so all of a sudden, it's it's you know there's there's a whole different feel. Now, look, I have to be honest: the Utah State football team and the coaching staff there—you have to give them a lot of credit. They've been very excited about this season. And I think they were seeing some things that even I didn't see. I I was thinking this is like new coach, new energy, like everybody's just excited because it's different, right? But they obviously saw something different than what I saw. I, I mistake I mistakenly made a judgment on this team of like, yeah, it's going to take a little while to rebuild this thing. Now, it still remains to be seen. I mean, you beat Washington State, they could be a real mess up there, and we just don't know it, right? But I think... I think this was a great step, and this is something that they can really, really build on as a team. I want to underline what you said about Washington State. I don't know it. I'm too far away to prove it, but Rolovich has said weird stuff in the offseason, and he's handled situations oddly. And yes, it's the vaccine, but it's not just the vaccine. It's other stuff, too. So if there's a weird vibe, um, you know, and some of this loss is on them not being able to seal it, yes. But Utah State looked completely different. And I don't think you can put it just to the coaching change. And Arizona surprised us. I think we have got to say that if you handle the transfer portal right, even though you're not bringing in Heisman Trophy winners and everybody's got some baggage or they wouldn't be leaving the school they're leaving, you can upgrade stuff. And your weakest spots where teams really attack you and beat you, you can upgrade them and make them better very quickly. And I think that matters. And Blake Anderson said people don't people look at your starters, but fans don't really worry about the depth that much. And over the course of a season, sometimes really quickly, the depth will bite you because you don't have it and you have some quick early injuries and things go really wrong. So I think what Arizona and Utah State, the way they both passed an eyeball test, even though Arizona lost, uh, these transfers matter. No, no question. And I, I, I love that statement from Blake. It, 
look, typically what happens to a football team, it's it's usually the teams that stay healthy that have really good seasons. I mean, it's it, it just is. Football is a game where people get hurt. And if you can build some sort of depth with the portal and you can bring in key players that you're missing, I mean, golly, you just don't slide as far. And so I think that's I think that's a key I think it's a key indicator. And the coaches that I've talked to around, and most of the coaches and the contacts that I have are in this state. They're like, the portal is a big deal. And it, and they almost begrudgingly say it because they feel bad for like some of the freshmen and the recruiting classes that will take place because the portal has become so important. I mean, it's free agency for college football, right? And you're able to do some things that you normally couldn't do. And these coaches are paying very close attention to the portal uh, going forward because I think they see the value in this and how how a second-string big-time player coming out of high school who's not happy, it doesn't mean that he can't play, and it doesn't mean that he can't have a good attitude in another school with another fresh start. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's showing. Arizona, I'll tell you where Arizona was impressive to me. There was some... In the second half against BYU, there was some team speed stuff that just really stood out to me for Arizona where it was like, wow, if you give the ball to number five right now, he he's really hard to tackle, even even when BYU was doing a great job of team tackling. And so I feel like they were much improved. And I think I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for, for folks like us, right, that are always analyzing and looking at football because we're going to have to really take into consideration, okay, so who is this guy from the portal and what kind of an impact can, we, can he really have? Because it's not going to be the same, same situation where we go, okay, so here's the freshman, here's the returning starter, you know, all this kind of stuff. We're going to we're gonna have to dig deep. And maybe I'm just talking to myself. I know you guys do your homework a lot better than I do. But this, this portal thing is, is, has changed the face of college football forever, in my opinion. I thought Jaron Hall was solid, if not spectacular. I can't go that far, but certainly no turnovers and move the ball. He'll get better. What do you think of him and his first performance as a starter this season? I thought it was very. I thought that was a very solid first start. I didn't. I didn't feel like there was any throws or any any difficult things, with with the exception of the touchdown that he threw to Neil Pau down down the middle. It was, it was a little bit late, but I don't know that he wasn't trying to set it up to go there. So that that's my only question mark is like was that was that like I was reading left and I thought and I thought oh I I, I got to get this and then late. His reaction was to throw late down the middle. I mean, that's that's a common phrase in football. You get a little bit nervous. But I'm also not being critical because it may have been that he was looking it off, looking it off, and then throwing it there, but he just threw it a little bit late. So I'd like to see that throw just speed up a little bit and recognize that and get there just a little bit quicker. But overall, man, I mean, his footwork, his ability to, like, turn on the jets down the sideline, I, I didn't feel like the moment was too big for him. That's, that's the thing I'm always looking for in a first start was – was the moment too big for you? Was it? Was this too intimidating? Was it too difficult to do? And I thought uh, I I would have graded him um, just because I know how good he can be. That's that's probably a good solid B performance. But that's not that's not me ripping on him. That's me knowing that he has he has more in his canister. And I think as he feels more and more confident, and as the coaching staff feels more and more confident in him, there's just going to be bigger and bigger games for him. 
Can Utah stop Algier and put the whole offense on Hall? Because that would seem to be a big ask if that's what happens. Well, I kind of think so. Look, I mean, Weber State is a pretty good football team. I'm not comparing them to BYU with two really good running backs. And Weber State couldn't even get a hand on Devin Lloyd defensively. And I thought, I thought against the University of Utah, Devin Lloyd – on that field was the best player on the field. He he literally was in the face of running backs every single play. And the offensive linemen, when they were trying to do their combination blocks where they where they block a defensive lineman and slide up to Devin Lloyd, they couldn't do it because he was reacting and getting there way too quick. I feel like BYU, uh, they have to be able to run the ball and I think that starts with blocking number zero. If you, if you don't block Devin Lloyd, it's going to be a really, really tough ask for BYU to just put put the ball in Jaron Hall's hands in his second start and say, okay, start slinging around and get us a win. Now, that doesn't mean that BYU is not really, really capable. That doesn't mean that they don't have great receivers and all those sorts of things. But I, I think if Utah's game plan has always been take away the run and force a team to be one-dimensional. And if they can do that to BYU, that doesn't that doesn't bode well for them. How about the other way around as far as what uh, Utah's offense is going to be able to do? Because you look at what Arizona did, and they threw the ball fairly well against the Cougars, but they didn't. You know, they only got it in the end zone once, I think, there, right? And with uh, some field goals and safety. Uh, but they still had success a fair amount of success throwing it, maybe a little bit more so than running it. What do you think Utah's offensive philosophy is going to be against BYU's defense? So I think I think that Charlie Brewer, and I was, I was there in person at the game, and I was in a spot where I could really kind of read the play with the quarterback. It's the best. This is the most polished quarterback that Utah has had since Brian Johnson or Alex Smith. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as them, but as far as like taking his eyes and executing with his eyes, throwing the ball accurately downfield, doing some different things, I mean, the biggest thing that they need to work on offensively as far as the passing games this week is that all these receivers and tight ends need to get on the jugs machine because I saw for the first time a University of Utah quarterback that wasn't afraid to throw the ball to a guy that's only one yard open and put it right on his helmet. And there was a couple of drops. There was a drop in the end zone by one of the tight ends that was a touchdown. And I really felt like during the game I saw the University of Utah leave about 13 points on the board, and I thought it was mostly because of drops, not because of lack of execution. Well, I mean, I guess you could argue that's lack of execution, but the play was open. The thing that they were trying to execute was open, and I'm, I'm very impressed with Charlie Brewer. I would be very surprised um, to see him not play pretty well this week, especially with the manipulation of his eyes and being able to move defensive backs around based on what he's trying to do. And and look, Weber and Utah and BYU all play pretty similar defenses, so the defense that that Brewer saw last Thursday night is a good is a good start. Or, or a good way to kind of get warmed up for what the BYU defense will look like. So when it's all said and done, Riley, what's it going to be? You mean well, life? I, 
No, the game Saturday night. Oh. <laughs> Riley, Judgment Day. Spell it out for it. No. Riley, BYU, Utah, midnight, 1 a.m. if there's a really bad storm. What's, it, what's everyone's mood going to be? Well, I, I feel like it's really, it's just really hard. It's really hard to pick against the University of Utah. Um, just, be, just because, man, there's, there's, some, there's some mentality stuff going on right now. There's, there's a whole bunch of like mental difficulties that are going on in this game. And what you have to worry about if you're BYU is, is there a, a here-we-go-again type attitude if some momentum starts to go one way or the other. But I'm, I'm picking the University of Utah to win this game in a super close one, and maybe not for any other reason than just because until they lose one, like, I can't pick against Utah. It just feels like they have so much the number of BYU right now that it's hard. it's hard to see that breaking through, especially when I see defensively somebody like Devin Lloyd and when I see offensively somebody like Charlie Brewer who – who can really, really throw the ball. Now, he doesn't have the biggest arm that I've seen at the University of Utah, but, man, the accuracy and the ability to move defenses around and manipulate them into what he wants to do. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a formidable quarterback, and if they can continue to protect him, I, I don't see the Utes losing this week. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, you guys. Have a great day. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The question of the day. If BYU doesn't win now, and Riley just said he doesn't think they will, if BYU doesn't win now, when will they? They're obviously not scheduled to play the next couple of years. Just got a provocative answer that is grounded at least somewhat in fact. Nice. And we will share that with you next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The head coach of BYU, Kalani Sataki. Even if coaches did handle it the same, wouldn't you expect your players to kind of feel the emotion of this game and handle the week differently? Yeah, coaches may say, hey, it's just another game. But the truth is, everything else outside of them says it's different, right? So the way the fans handle it, it's way different. So I say, let's just embrace it. Let's have fun with it, man. If we go into it saying, hey, this is just another game, that sounds great on paper and in print. But the truth is, we know those guys. There's a lot of guys on this team that are really familiar with them, that are friends with them. Me and my little brother, TJ, were playing here, and our oldest brother was playing at the U. So that makes it different. And so why would you ever try to change that? The fans know each other. They're in the same households. Let's just have fun with the whole experience. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Thursday, September 9th from 2 to 7 at Mountain Mike's Pizza, 3785 West, 104 South in South Jordan for their grand reopening. Beat Mike Smith, Utah Jazz broadcaster and shooting contest, and win a 20-inch pizza. That's Mountain Mike's Pizza on Thursday, September 9th. I've been sharpening up my J. Yeah? I'm going to take Smitty down. (laughs) Okay, you do that. I think they got a ringer out there, and they're not going to be giving away much pizza. But good luck to everyone who wants to take a shot at him. Years ago, there's a guy uh, who, I think he went to Long Beach State. His name was like Craig Dykema, something like that. And one of the columnists for the Arizona paper took him out to the state fair. He just sat on the bench for the Suns, hardly ever got in. And he's just winning stuffed animals like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You can't believe how good NBA players are. 
And I was in Sacramento <laughs> or some promotional deal. I don't know what it was. I had to do some silly story of the Wayman Tisdale. And uh, it's a different level. It's a totally different level. And he's talking to whatever PR person, and they're laughing about whatever. And he's just waiting to get going. And he's shooting like 10 and 12 footers in the lane. And he's only half paying attention. Not only did he not miss, he never hit the rim. Not even once. It's a totally different deal. But good luck. If you take him down, you will have something to brag about for a very long time because it'll be hard to do. And you'll be the one because I can't imagine there's going to be three or four people doing it. All right, PK, question of the morning. If BYU doesn't beat Utah now, when will it happen? They're not scheduled to play the next two years, and you believe the Utah program is still on the upswing, so even if BYU does get a boost from the Big 12, which they should, we can debate how big a boost, but there ought to be some kind of boost there, but still, you think Utah's still getting a boost in the Pac-12. And... What you have on your side, even though everyone loves to argue with you, is the NFL draft. <laughs> and they are getting way more players drafted. I think Utah is going to be a premier program in the Pac-12 for the next 10 years. The recruiting advantage that they are building is these other programs' attendance drops off. And you always talked about this in the Mountain West. People want to go, players want to go play where it matters, where there's passion, where there's emotion. And you walk into a, the stadium in Albuquerque or Las Vegas uh, San Diego, it's, it's just not the same. You walk into BYU and Utah, and they're packed, and people are going nuts. Now you're in the Pac-12, and there's no emotion at Stanford. There's no emotion at Cal. There's no, maybe UCLA will turn it around here, maybe Chip Kelly, but they've had five straight losing seasons, and people aren't showing up. Colorado's empty. I think the U- Utah pro- football program is a gold mine. Arrow up, baby. So... Tom tweets at us, and Tom's, Tom's a big-time listener and tweets at us a bunch. He says, TDS once went 61 years only winning one game. So, dot, dot, dot. Now, that was in his... 61 years only won one game? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They sucked. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I think what they'd really, I think any real analysis say, well, it wasn't as important to them. They were a basketball school. They were good in basketball. Utah, at that point, was good in football. And they had Ike Armstrong, and they got the upper hand, and they kept it. There were like three or four tie games in there, so the win streak never got above nine. But, yeah, Utah completely dominated until the uh, 60s. I think the second win came in the late 50s. Is Utah going to emphasize football at a level in a way BYU isn't, in a league BYU isn't in? Is the Big 12 going to be that big a deal going forward? Is there going to be a big gap? Even even though it looks like the ACC and the, the Pac-12 are going to be leagues three and four and be kind of distant, even if one team rises up like Clemson has now or USC did in the last decade, it's an SEC Big Ten world we're moving into. I think that it, the Big 12, the the newly configured Big 12, when they get it going and it's up and running and all that stuff, I think it's going to be a representative league. The thing about it is that I wouldn't stack leagues and start rating leagues from top to bottom because I think that's 100% misleading. You have... There's too le- big a variation within a league. Well, you have leagues within the league. Absolutely. And Don't- so the Big 12... 
you can't do this. You can't take out Ohio State of the Big Ten. It's like saying, man, you know, without those six runs in the fourth inning, he he pitched really well. But the, it doesn't work that you way. You can't just say Big yeah. Ten and try to refer to Ohio State and Rutgers at the same time. Right. And you can't the same thing in the SEC with Alabama and Vanderbilt. There's so, a wide variation. So I think it's stupid to rate conferences because you're really what you're doing, the top the conferences you're putting at the top, you're just rating the top teams. So let's see how this Big 12 is top to bottom because they're going to have a Kansas. I don't know if it's always going to be Kansas because Kansas a few years back with that, was it Mangino guy? He, they went they, to an orange they, bowl. They, they were decent. A, they had a Mark Mangino. Yeah, yeah. Maybe 11. Uh, and yeah. so and they dropped off pretty quick and all that stuff. But so I, they're, they're always going to have that. I don't know if it's going to be that particular team. Uh, but I think it can be a representative league. Because I think the AAC is representative, and I certainly think the better teams in the Mountain West are pretty good football teams. I just don't look at at a label and just, I hate that, labeling, and that's the way it is forever and ever. And so it's a big deal that uh, they ever get out of that. And I, I think that the some of these programs are really good because they're putting pros in. These conferences are putting pros in every single year. So this newly configured Big 12, I think, has the chance to be decent. And as it affects BYU, I think it should help their program. Uh, that'll make their program better going forward. And the fans are going to love it because they want to have conference rivalries. It's, it's something to say all conference. Remember the first few years we used to joke so-and-so was the independent player of the week. They don't even do that anymore, do they? At least I don't get the emails. And, you know, the all into Phil Steele's all-independent team. What a waste of time, Phil. There's like four or five teams. <laughs> Go you do could, something else. Why don't you just put every Notre Dame player on it? Why are we putting... Well, see, there you're going back to Liberty, labels again. Liberty, you're going UMass, la- and UConn. You're going to labels. No, I don't want to label anybody. Let them determine their own fate. Liberty can be a good football program. Coastal Carolina, for all you Utah fans who ragged on Coastal Carolina, BYU losing to Coastal Carolina, they're ranked. Yes, they are. Yeah. So and uh, UConn's already and UConn's already lost their coach. Wasn't such a joke <laughs> that they lost to Coastal Carolina. And, you know, but if boy, my gosh, if they would have beat them, it would have no big deal. But they lost to them. See, you lost to that crappy team. But if you would have beat them, well, geez, so what? They're not any good. <laughs> and it doesn't Memo really to BYU. You cannot win. <laughs> yeah, in that situation here. So this conference that if they get when they get it together and see which teams are in and all that stuff, I think it can be decent and it'll be fun for the Cougar fans to have conference games and all that stuff get going again. And over time, you can build up rivals because I I agree with what Kyle said when he gave that interview to that uh, what was it R J what's his last name. Young? R.J. Young. Yeah, where he said, you know, they do have other rivals. You only have one rival, but you have other rivals in the conference, particularly in the South, SC and, and the Devils and the Cats and all that stuff and Bruins. Sure, those those are rivals because you're playing them every year, and you've got something to build off of it. And it's amazing to see, but what, we're in our 11th year of the Utes being in the Pac-12? Yes. Uh, don't really count last year as much, but still, man, it goes by pretty quick, and so they got something going. De- Ute fans hate the Devils already blah 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 that's good that's fun and so you'll go that way and it'll build it up a little bit but I just think that Utah's got it humming 
and it's going to be hard to catch them because their program really is in a great, great spot. It's so great that we keep hearing, surprisingly, how great it is. <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense, and it makes zero sense to us, and we reject the notion, and I'm pretty sure you do too, that they are not this upstart program that surprises people. No, they don't surprise anybody. They play great football is what they do. They're not a surprise. If they go next month, what are we, uh, 31 days, if they go into the Coliseum and win that game, that is not a surprise. It may be a Vegas upset. But it'll be mild. But it won't. I will not be surprised because their program is at a high, high level, and I just don't see it slowing down anytime soon. If you're picked second and you beat the first place team, it's an upset, but it's not huge. Two beating one isn't massive. No, and I, I can't imagine, we're, we're still a month away, I can't imagine the line being more than six anyway. I was going to say a touchdown. Which is a touchdown. I always give the extra points. So I was going to say seven. That's not. It's a touchdown is six. A PAT is one. It's six. Tell so, me more about the rules, Graham. I can't. Well, you keep. Well, you obviously don't know the rules, so you have to be yeah, informed. Yeah, but we can assume they make such a high percentage of extra points. I'm going to go ahead and assume seven. Sorry. I assume nothing in sports. You're That's, the man. I assume nothing in life because nothing has ever been given to me. I had to work for everything I've gotten, so why would I assume something is going to be given to me? Because it's not. I'm going to have to earn it. You know what I'm going to do right now? You know what I'm do right now? Hear this. Ready? There. There's a nickel. Someone's giving you something in life. Okay? Now stop. Yeah, and that's, that's the most I've ever received. Yeah. <laughs> I've never gotten more than a nickel in my life. Right. <laughs> exactly. Just let him reframe the argument. Right. Give him a couple seconds. <laughs> he can spin like a top, and I like to watch it. So there. So I don't see Utah as... Going down there and being a big upset. I really, really believe, as I look, and I've been involved in this conference for a long time, I believe they have so many advantages. And the great thing about it, if you have an advantage and you don't take advantage of it, it's not an advantage to be circular. It's like a no, draft so pick you. in the pros. No, it's, like earning, it's, earning, it's like earning a home court in the playoffs or a home field in the NFL playoffs. On and on. It's, awesome. it's awesome to have it. And then if the visiting team comes in and beats you, well, what good did that do you? I mean, I know you win more at home, but you still got to win when you get to the postseason. And the genius of Utah's program is playing up the advantages that they have. It's a smaller city. It's big enough, but it's a smaller city. And with smaller hometown atmosphere, family, and all that stuff. And they play that up so much. It's really brilliant that they do. You're not going to get lost in the shuffle here as you would be if you went to Los Angeles or you went to the Arizona's (laughs) place. They all have the same number of players. I know, but it's massive, you know. know, know. Here, we're small town, even though we're big cities. The airport's right down the street. It's international, and you can get anywhere quickly. And, man, we're family. We got got the press conference. I got my wife, my grandkids. Look at my grandkids. They're there. The players can see them. It's, It's genius how they do it. And I don't know if they stumbled into it or they figured it out or what have you, but it works, and it resonates, and it resonates with Mothers and fathers. 
When you're recruiting a 16- and 17-year-old, it's a good story to tell. Yes. Although we have also been up there, and we've talked to enough of the guys when they're in their 20s, and they're repeating it. They buy it. So in Absolutely they buy level, it. whatever story it is, it's also not just a fairy tale. It's, it's being not. lived on some level. It is. Because juniors and seniors are... We're family up here. And Kyle, even with the rivalry, you know, the older players explain it to the guys who come in from out of state. Here's why it's important. So as much as he downplays it and tries not to say the letters U, Y, and B in any order. I think he said them on Monday, didn't he? He did. He, he did. Game week, I think there's a little he more. He broke out of his character for just yeah, a it's Yeah, but it's also game week. I know. You know? It's still different. In this game, what did they... But he typically... Know? He, does he min- it minimizes it. He yeah. doesn't completely wipe it out, but he minimizes it. It's a beautiful setup for them, and they're taking advantages of all the stuff they got going. So I think it's going to be hard for BYU... To catch them yeah, doesn't mean they can't beat them in an individual game, the, and that's really what we're talking about: is snapping the streak. After you snap the streak, then you can worry about trying to catch them. I think they got a decent chance to snap the streak Saturday. I think it would have had a great chance last year because of the circumstances. Circumstances dictated that, and I understand Steve Youngs was joking on ESPN that uh, they were afraid to play BYU last year. Let's see if you can find that audio. I'll see if I can find it. I heard about it. I saw the quote. Yeah. Said that they were afraid of Zach Wilson. And yeah. They should have been afraid of Zach Wilson. He was awesome. Best quarterback to play at BYU since Ty Detmer. Bum, bum, bum. Now you just raced right through him and you knew, oh, he got me there. He got me there. He got me there. And he's got me there. Topping Taysom Hill. Oh, yes. Topping Max Hall. I think you go to John Beck. John Beck. John Beck's senior year. That was a good year. It was an awesome senior yeah. year. He had an awesome senior year. At, Steve at Sarkeesian. Better. <laughs> Better. Better. Ryan Hancock. Did he have a... What, did he play a few games and got hurt or something? Uh, about, uh, I'd have to look it up, 8 he or played, 10. 8 or 10, somewhere in there. Oh, he played that many? Yeah, so they yeah. lost three quarterbacks in like no, the first, first they two they lost quarterback in the second game and other in the third game, Third game, I think. and then he played and then the he rest played of the year. And got oh, he hurt. did. And he got hurt in... The, no, he didn't. He got hurt in the Utah game. The Utah game towards, towards ACL, ACL late in the Utah yeah, game. Yeah, had a long run down the near sideline. And oh, he did? And were you here then? Yeah. So it was the year before. That's why I don't yeah, remember it. Ryan right. also happens and to be And then the fourth-string quarterback yeah. played the bowl game, and yeah. it was... Um, Wasn't it Tom Young? It was. Yeah, yeah. Steve's younger brother. Yeah. But they lost, they lost to Kansas, of all teams. <laughs> 23-20. Ryan is a loyal listener of ours. So oh, Ryan, for sure. I know he's up? in the community. That's why I gave him a shout-out right there. Yeah. I mean, I knew he, he, pl- I knew he played. I remember as a big league pitcher, but I didn't know he played that long. Of uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize the other quarterbacks, who were they? Got hurt uh, Walsh, that earlier in the Walsh season. Walsh and Clements. John Walsh, Steve Clements, who is actually one of my former head coaches in high school for about Walsh, all three Walsh got hurt in the second game against UCLA at home, and Clements got hurt out in the very next game in Hawaii and was probably about as dejected as I've ever seen a football player. He had I this, understand why. He had a mat, <laughs> he had must have had 20 pounds of ice on his shoulder, and he was sitting on the training table, and all the pads are off, and the cameras got him, and you could just see just he, he was just so down. He was so. He ended up coaching here. I think he he coached at Lehigh. Yeah, he just said he coached. He was my head coach for about three weeks before he took another job at Mountain View. At Mountain View, he was at Lehigh. I thought he was at Lehigh though. Yeah, he went to Lehigh for a while. Is he still coaching? 
No, I think he's in private business now. Is he in the community? No, he moved to Texas, if I recall. He was from Texas, too. Yeah. He was a Texas recruit. All right, DJ and PK, coming up 9 o'clock, the other in-state game, Weber State-Dixie State, both coaches Jay Hill and Paul Peterson join us in the 9 o'clock segment. Stay with us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Holy War is here. Kalani Sataki and the Cougars look to snap Utah's winning streak at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Wednesday, and you know that means it's a win tickets Wednesday. Grammy award-winning multi-platinum band Corn are bringing their U.S. summer tour to Yasana Amphitheater Thursday. September 9th, that is tomorrow, with special guest Stained. Tickets are still available at LiveNation.com. we got a pair of tickets for Caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. That's 855-340-9663. Got more people weighing in on the question. If BYU doesn't beat Utah now, when will it happen? Zion Bikes. Dot Store says, maybe never. I'm thinking the Aggies have actually beat Utah more recently than Cougars. Am I right? Yes, you yeah, are. I guess you are. You are. By a year or two. Aggies got him up in uh, up in overtime in Logan. Wasn't that uh, Jordan Wynn's last game? Yes, Jordan Wynn got hurt in that game, had to leave. Right, he had a lot of potential as a freshman, but then battled injuries and ultimately retired from football. So that's a couple of years more recently than than BYU, and and then they didn't they didn't play much after that. I think there were a couple more games in Salt Lake, and that was the end of it. Right. All right, DJ and PK. When we come back, Jay Hill, Weber State football coach, Paul Peterson, Dixie State football coach. The other in-state game. We'll talk with them next. Stay with us.